Hey, it's Greg Brady. Thanks for checking out the Toronto Today podcast for Friday, January 28th. Well, the vaccine mandate freedom convoy has taken on a life of its own. You can be happy about that. You can be quite concerned about it. You can be indifferent. You can be right in the middle where you might have been before you'd even heard about it, wanting out of restrictions, but also understanding why some of those restrictions were in place in the first place. So we talk about it on the show today. We can't not talk about it, and we do that with you. Alan Carter and Sabrina Nanji, part of our Friday roundtable. You'll hear them also amongst many others, including David Aiken, uh, our Global News Chief Political Correspondent in Ottawa. Lots is here. Thank you for finding us. This is Toronto Today, and it starts now. The big story of the day, maybe the only story, was the trucking convoy landing, if you will, the Freedom Convoy in the Toronto area yesterday. Maybe you, maybe there were some elements of it that surprised you, the amount of people that came out on overpasses. I can't, I can't believe the amount of people on overpasses. I'd also say this, and uh, I'm, I'm looking in Vaughan, some of the convoys coming through, the flags. Look, there's some extreme rhetoric there as well. And I'm going to get to that. Don't you fret. Don't worry about that one bit. But for raw numbers and raw people, here's what I'd say. This was unnecessarily dismissed by the prime minister two days ago. He does this, okay? There's a little bit of an antagonistic needling capacity to our leader that does not acknowledge people who feel disenfranchised. That said, you'll say to me, what did you want him to say? You want him to give this credence? You want him to acknowledge that it's an outlet for some to express racism and, uh, and, and uh, you know, phobias about immigrants and anti-immigrant policies and extreme points of view and conspiracy theories about COVID-19? No, 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 and also certainly no. But, but that's not everybody that was there yesterday. There was nothing fringe about it. And I'll tell you, I'll tell you by the end of this segment what I expected Prime Minister Trudeau to say. I want you to hear some of this for yourself yesterday, though. I think it's important to uh, to document. Uh, and this is Aaron O'Toole talking yesterday. He's taking a bit of a political gamble. He says he's going to meet with organizers, truck drivers when they arrive in Ottawa. MPs are being told, stay inside your house. And I'm going to tell you why that is in a minute or two as well. But it, a lot of people, you know, as my phone started to blow up, are you watching Aaron O'Toole? Are you seeing this happening? Are you noticing what he's saying? I sure was. Here's some of what Aaron O'Toole had to say about why this program, uh, why, why this protest, rather, had a genesis, had a beginning, and it's going to end with a pretty big finish. We've shifted our life. Most Canadians got the jab. We've all been trying to follow the rules. And this year started out just like last year, with lockdowns, with curfews, with division. And that's only getting worse. And the thousands of people coming here in the next few days, the trucker convoy, is a symbol of the fatigue in our country right now. Hard to argue with that. It's hard to argue with that part of it. I would acknowledge that there's un, un, just un acceptable elements 
to some of what's transpiring here. But unlike the prime minister, and all I'm talking about now is messaging. I said to you yesterday, I don't get the political win for the prime minister in being so dismissive. I'm going to play you what he said uh, in just a second or two. Here's more from Aaron O'Toole documenting how Canadians are feeling and the voices they want to share that they just feel have been, well, they've certainly been minimized, marginalized, and stamped out in a lot of ways. This convoy in many ways represents people who feel they do not have a voice in Ottawa. I want you to know, as we did in the election, we will try and make sure that everyone has a voice And no one is left behind in the pandemic, in the cost of living crisis, in the housing crisis. Okay. Easier said than done. Sure. Sure. But so was everything that was put forward on the campaign trail since the beginning of time by every uh, political party leader. You think you're going to hear promises over the next four months in this province? You you think you've heard promises before? That's nothing compared to what you're going to hear in the next four months in this particular province. Nothing. Nothing. But that said, let me compare the messaging from Aaron O'Toole with the dismissiveness, almost a glibness, almost a needling from the prime minister. You might say, Greg, you can't you cannot legitimize extreme rhetoric, hatred or racism. Well, fine. I agree with that. Who wouldn't? But I've got an answer for that on the other side. This is what the Prime Minister of Canada did to just wave his hand and say, oh, tut tut, not a big deal. It was a big deal. It is a big deal. This weekend is a big deal. It's on your mind and my mind, or we wouldn't be talking about it right now. Here's what Justin Trudeau said on Wednesday. The small fringe minority of people who are on their way to Ottawa or who are uh, holding unacceptable uh, views uh, that they're expressing do not represent the views of Canadians who have been there for each other, who know that following the science and stepping up to protect each other is the best way to continue to ensure our freedoms, our rights, our values as a country. Okay. Now, listen, if he tried this out on me, if I was a senior aide, and I, again, I I love what I'm doing right now. Thanks for all the offers, uh, PMJT. Thank you for the offer to guide you and coach you into actually how to connect with Canadians and not make you seem so distant, even from people who vote for you. I talk to these people. You may be some of these people listening to this, and you know there's an element of elitism, and you know there's an element of somebody being out of touch. I'm not going to push this on Doug Ford and that on Doug Ford and this on Doug Ford and not say it about the prime minister. Again, I got no dogs in the fight. I got zero time for partisan politics. I want my life back, too. Are some of these people cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs? You betcha, 100%. You won't get any argument from me. Does some of it need to be shut down? Yes, absolutely. I'd be concerned for my safety if I'm a MP. Uh, There's a doxing effort going on to try and reveal, you know, these people are looking for addresses and home telephone numbers and where kids go to school. It's horrible. It's disgusting. Again, what else could we possibly talk about or lead with today? Although the Alfonso Davies Twitch uh, Canada goal against Honduras was a lot of fun, and I forgot where I was for about 30 seconds. That's the whole point of, uh, of escapism sometimes. That being said, here's what you do if you're Justin Trudeau. You step up to the microphone. This uh, in an ideal world, and we sure don't have that right now. 
You step up to the microphone on Wednesday and you say, I want to talk about this freedom convoy. And I want to talk to every, I want you to listen. You got to go Bill Clinton, right? You know, I did not have sexual relations with that woman, although this is a little bit not that. You got to say, I want everybody to listen to me in this country right now and take a tone that is aggressive. And I want to say, I got two things to say. The first, there's people, good people, who are upset, who feel disenfranchised, who feel like they haven't been uh, heard. I want to hear those people. I want to have conversations with those people. I want to do. I want to outreach. I want to understand why you feel you shouldn't get vaccinated. I want to hear from fully vaccinated truckers and supporters of those truckers who don't feel their colleagues should get vaccinated. I think you're wrong. You tell me why you're right, but I want to listen and have a dialogue. Now, and here's the pivot that's really important here. Again, here's all my free advice. I'm just, I'm just wait. I, I, you know, I should be invoicing Parliament Hill for this. Somebody should be writing this down. The second part, and you pivot hard and you go, but there's an element to this protest that is too extreme, that is too racist, that is too anti-immigrant, that has views that do not represent the vast majority of people involved in the protest. And there's no place for it in Canada. And if you think you're coming to Ottawa to cause trouble, if you are threatening journalists, if you're threatening citizens, if you're threatening my fellow MPs in any party, you won't get away with it. And we will be ready for you. Scene, cut, break for lunch, catered lunch. That's it. That's the language. That's the dialogue. So I just laid out what I would do. Let's hear Pierre Trudeau again if we can. Gord, let's hear what he's, excuse me, Justin Trudeau, let's hear this again and understand why all you're doing, all you're doing is fanning the flames of extremism. You got to push it down back into the ground where it belongs. And you still have to listen to the people that are out saying, I'm a law abiding citizen. I'd never lift a finger to anybody, but this is hurting me. And I want some answers as to what will happen next. Here's Justin Trudeau on Wednesday taking the fully, wholly wrong approach. The small fringe minority of people who are on their way to Ottawa or who are uh, holding unacceptable uh, views uh, that they're expressing do not represent the views of Canadians who have been there for each other, who know that following the science and stepping up to protect each other is the best way to continue to ensure our freedoms, our rights, our values as a country. Okay. There's MPs. I heard from an MP yesterday, and that MP, I won't say if it's a he or she, said two things to me. One, that wasn't hard enough to say, if you're coming to Ottawa to make trouble, you're not going to be able to, and we will stop you. We won't tolerate lawlessness. We won't tolerate vandalism. We won't tolerate you being a threatening presence here, which I would argue is still the minority of these people. Some of them are confused about what comes next. Some of them are confused about vaccination, science, all of it. We can have discussions about lockdowns. We can have discussions about should teenagers and university students get Boosted. We can have discussions about all that stuff. There's some pretty undeniable things that have happened here. So your Bill Gates, tinfoil hat, 5G business, we're being, it's all part of a great plan. I don't have a lot of time for that either. In fact, I have about zero time for it. But those people vote. You're making a big mistake marginalizing some of the people who just say, hey, 
I would love to know what's next. I would love to know how we got here. I'd love to know why I feel so disenfranchised and not together with the rest of the society that we live in right now. Very happy to welcome on uh, our next guest, Chief Political Correspondent of uh, Global News. Uh, I wish the mood was lighter. Actually, it'd be a lot lighter if his Buffalo Bills had won last Sunday, too. David, I'm so sorry, man. That's 13 seconds. We find find new ways to lose every year in glorious fashion. I wouldn't. I'm going to stick with these guys forever. My favorite Buffalo Bills. The future is so bright. You got to wear shades like that song, like Josh Allen. You got. You got. That guy's going to be there. You're going to get to watch him until we're we're deep into retirement. David, 16, 18 more years of Josh Allen. It's good. I'm all for that. I love it. <laughs> I can only imagine the atmosphere in uh, Ottawa. You go to bed last night. You've seen some, uh, you know, some, you know, some warm temperatures in uh, in in the nation's capital the last uh, the last year, the last couple years. Anything like what yesterday was or or this morning feels like? Actually, yeah. I mean, it, it, the what I the video I saw, the experiences of some of our journalists who covered uh, some of the protest convoy uh, was it looked just like the election campaign that mm-hmm. we spent a month doing a few. Uh, you know, I was out there with Justin Trudeau and we would see the mob show up yelling obscenities, hurling obscenities, throwing rocks at the prime minister. Same anger about public health protocols, uh, same obscenities. So today on Parliament Hill, we are expecting thousands of security services are, are preparing for up to 10,000 to arrive. Several convoys, by the way, coming from different parts of the country. There was some early arrivals yesterday, a guy with, a, could be a gal, I'm sure, but a person with their 18-wheeler truck with a very obscene slogan for the Prime Minister on the side of it, parked at the National War Memorial um, since his left. And we saw some groups at the um, with slogans at the Centennial Flame on Parliament Hill. But the big crowds are going to come today, as I mentioned, up to 10,000. You probably saw uh, a lot of coverage of the, the group that... Some started in London, came up to 401. Some started up in Vaughn Mills, came down and joined them. Uh, I think they swung by Queen's Park. That group made it up the 401 and overnighted near Kingston. A couple of places in and around Kingston. And as you probably know, Kingston's only a couple hours mm-hmm. drive away. But the group from Western Canada, this is BC, Alberta, Saskatchewan, Manitoba, they came into Northern Ontario a couple of nights ago. OPP said it was 120 trucks, about 280 personal vehicles, so like two-to-one ratio cars to trucks. And they ran into awful weather and conditions yesterday. If you've ever driven Highway 17, North Shore Lake Superior, I have plenty of time. I've got family in Thunder Bay. Mm. It was a snow squall. Those, those are roads that are going up, down, hairpin turns. Um, most truckers avoid that route, but the convoy to decide, some of the convoy took that, um, may have made it to Sault Ste. Marie. I'm pretty sure they did. That's where they stopped. Another part of the convoy split at Nipigon and went on Highway 11. That's where the pro-truckers go. It's a flatter route. Takes you down into North Bay. But they also ran into some highway closures yesterday because of weather. So they're waking up this morning, uh, that group, about 400 vehicles, and they still got a good 10 hours of driving to do before they're going to get here. Then there's a group out from Atlantic, Canada. They started out yesterday in Nova Scotia. There was about a dozen trucks that left Nova Scotia. They picked a couple up in New Brunswick. They're making their way here. And sometime this morning, another group is going to originate in Montreal, and they're going to come here. Again, yeah. uh, we're not exactly sure how big this will be, but we're preparing for about 10,000. David Aiken is joining us on Toronto Today on uh, 640 Toronto. Charlie Angus, the NDP MP, uh, called it on Twitter an unprecedented warning. He said around 530 last night, parliamentary security sent a message to all MPs 
telling them that there's a plan, a possible plan to target MPs at their family homes or or target staff. And this message comes right from Canada's sergeant in arms. When he describes that as unprecedented, David, tell our audience exactly exactly how how true he is about that. Yeah, yeah, th- it is. That that I've never seen that. I've been on the hill since, you know, the uh, early 2000s. I've uh, never seen that. Um it is normal for our our security services, Ottawa Police Services the lead, but the sergeant at arms is in charge of his own security group called the Parliamentary Precinct Protective Services. Uh, they're also, you know, they have guns and they got the vests and they're just like uh, police. So there's two groups. Uh, and it's normal to prepare appropriately to keep everybody safe at a protest. I mentioned about 10,000 here. That's a big protest. But that is, you know, we see the March for Life, pro-life, anti-abortion uh, folks. Every year they'll bring eight to 12,000 people on the Hill without incident. But there are similar precautions taken to make sure everybody's safe. We see 30,000, 40,000 people show up every year for the Remembrance Day ceremonies. It's great. And again, those are definitely held in very secure arrangements because the Prime Minister participates. Um, so security services are, are not, you know, they're, they're ready. Uh, they think they're ready for anything. We do know that the RCMP and CSIS have identified some individuals which have associated themselves with these protesters. Some may be the organizer. They may be also associated with some extremist groups, some hate groups, white supremacists. And all we know is that the the um, CSIS and the RCMP are keeping an eye on things. They're not going to tell us operational details for obvious reasons, but that's sort of uh, all the layers of security at this point that uh, are being mobilized. But yes, that that um, that memo from the sergeant at arms is uh, absolutely unique, saying warning MPs that uh, there were attempts to gain uh, you know lists of MPs' home addresses, presumably so uh, protesters could show up at home. We saw it in Calgary. I don't know if you saw that in the news a couple yeah. of days ago. There's a liberal MP in Calgary, George Jahal. He's the yeah. only liberal MP in Calgary, and people you know he was having a birthday party for his kids. And ended up with a, you know, a mob out front of his home yelling and screaming at him. I'm going to keep you for another minute here because I think it's, it's a significant question. And I don't think anybody is, is, is more best served to answer this. Aaron O'Toole, everybody was watching him last night. And he said, he said, I'll give an audience to some of the organizers of this. He condemned extremism. He condemned, uh, you know, some of the, the, you know, the alt-right messaging. But is he taking a, he's, it's a calculated gamble. Is this a political gamble at all, uh, on Aaron O'Toole to step out? as the only only leader of the three main parties to say, I, I, I'm going to talk to these people and see what they want to say about this. He's been very careful. He's not going to talk to the organizers. He's going to talk to some truckers. Uh, he's trying to position himself as I support truckers who are doing the great work. And sure, they are. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So that'll happen. Conservative MPs, on the other hand, his caucus is four square behind this protest. And in fact, they are blaming the media for demonizing protesters. And these protesters have picked up on that message from their conservative MPs. And as I had mentioned yesterday, uh, journalists, our colleagues, uh, spat on, assaulted yeah. verbally, assaulted physically. Um, somebody with a car tried to run over a TV reporter. So this is the kind of, um, uh, you know, extremist element. I mean, I'm sure most of these protesters will want to come here and yell and scream and be upset at whatever they want to be upset at. But that's what O'Toole has to sort of be careful with. So he's going to meet them off the hill. Normally, a prime minister does not meet with these sort of protesters. And again, since I've been here, only happened once I saw it, and that was Justin Trudeau with the Black Lives Matter protest a couple of years ago. And that got about ten or 12,000 people, by the way, on the Hill. And remember, Trudeau showed up and he took a knee with, yeah. uh, with some of those folks. That's the only time I've seen a prime minister present at a protest. Um, and Jagmeet Singh, the NDP leader, also expressing concern about the, quote, dangerous rhetoric 
of some of the uh, extremist elements and uh, again calling his support for the truckers who are showing up to work today the vast majority of truckers who are doing what they need to do to keep our food on tables and, and stuff going back across the border it's an incredible occurrence uh david aiken thank you very much we'll be watching tonight uh for your report and your observations thanks for joining us in toronto today Okay, cheers. All right, we're going to uh, do our roundtable right now on Friday morning, and let's welcome in our two participants. There's no prizes. There sure isn't cash. Sabrina Nanji uh, covers Ontario politics for the QPobserver.com. Sabrina, welcome in. It's great to have you on again. Thanks for having me. And a gentleman, this is a bit of a newcomer to uh, 640 and to the Global News family. We're going to give this a go. We're going to see what happens here. Uh, Alan Carter is, I believe, our guest. Is, is this a contest? It's someone. Alan Carter is our guest to go head-to-head with Sabrina Nanji. Uh, welcome, uh, Alan. Have you? Do you follow the news much? Uh, is this thing on? Who? who are, where am I? <laughs> who am I? Hello. Good morning, Supreme. Good morning. <laughs> are we all? Uh, are, can we all go for breakfast? And nothing's open yet. We can't, right? Gatherings of three and some scrambled eggs and uh, turkey you bacon. Oh, until Monday. You're you just can't. Stop. I know. I know. What time's the first movie on uh, on Monday? And have I? What, can I guess the plot from a mile away? All kidding aside, uh, Sabrina, let's start with you. Just massive story in Ottawa, and and it was all we were talking about in the GTA yesterday. I don't think. I don't know that we quite understood the gravity of this uh, on a lot of different levels for how the media would cover it, for the different elements of of protest here, how things have been co-opted and, and hijacked in a bunch of different directions. How did you see the evolution of this story from earlier in the week? Yeah, um, you know, I mean, with, with these truckers and this convoy, I think it's kind of spiraled um, you know, into a, a protest over all public health measures that we're dealing with right now. And, you know, um, frankly, I'm, I'm a little tired of, of talking about it, honestly, because, you know, I, I think it's kind of being blown uh, way out of proportion here, as you mentioned, co-opted. Um, but, you know, there's really no denying that a lot of people are angry and upset right now. But, you know, at the end of the day, like about 90 percent of truckers are vaccinated. And, and mm-hmm. honestly, I kind of feel for them because most of them are, you know, out on the road delivering us our, our supplies and goods. Um, I think politically, uh, you know, there's a lot of politicians that are kind of walking a a fine line here. Um, But I think that at the end of the day, this is really taking away from like the real issues here. Like obviously COVID has exasperated, um, you know, trucker shortages, which is like a real problem um, and, Mm. you know, how that impacts our supply chain. So frankly, you know, it's it's kind of unfortunate that this has devolved into, into what it has, because I think it's really detracting from, you know, some important stuff here. Alan, uh, Charlie Angus, who you've interviewed and I've interviewed, uh, put a tweet out yesterday around 530. And he said parliamentary security sent a message to all MPs basically saying, you know, your safety's at risk here. Your security is a risk. Stay home. Uh, There's a docs attempt to target your family. Find out your address. Find out your staff. He described it as an unprecedented warning. I'm not sure we've seen anything like it before in Ontario or in our country. All right, now take out what you just said. Now just take what you just said about the threat to MPs. Uh, and then and then figure out why is it that the leader of the Conservative Party is meeting with the truckers. I, I, I'm flabbergasted by it. The whole thing is just absolutely tying the Conservatives in knots. And if you saw a Sean O'Shea's story last night on Global News, I mean, the kind of anger that is directed towards the media... Uh, towards establishment, and uh, Sabrina's right. It's a small, and you know the prime minister's right too. It's a, 
it's a fringe element. It's not a representative of the larger part of society. But what we have here is everybody's mad. I mean, I don't know about you. I'm upset, too. I don't know what I'm upset at, but I'm upset. And here we have a lightning rod that is you know, collecting all of this anger and all of this upset. Uh, and I, I, it frightens me in a little, a little yeah. way. I mean, if you're a journalist and you see what is being said, I, I mean, yeah, you probably get it too, Greg. The calls mm-hmm. I get on my radio show, the email that I get, uh, Nuremberg, uh, they're coming for me. I mean, what is going on? Alan, let me follow up with that, and I really want to get Sabrina's opinion on this uh, also. Is is there? I agree with so much of what you said. Is there a political? Is there political capital to be gained by Aaron O'Toole? We've seen this before. We saw it with Trump's election over Hillary Clinton. Hillary's not listening to us. She's not coming to Michigan, Wisconsin. She's calling us a basket of deplorables. She's not listening. And I agree. Extremism, and especially right-wing extremism, racism, uh, anti-immigration stuff, that's terrible. But a lot of these people, and they all get a vote, is there a political profit to be made here from Aaron O'Toole not to turn his back on a base that could make him the next prime minister. I don't know if it's right, but I know that has to be what his advisors are telling him. Yeah, well, here here's what's happening is, is that O'Toole is trying desperately to hold on to the, his leadership. And there's there's a fragmentation of, on the right, this fragmentation, as we saw that, you know, all the all the conservative voters that perhaps voted for Bernier in the last election, and there's probably more of them that are disaffected from the West with O'Toole. So that's why O'Toole's, you know, he's got to walk this weird fine line where he has to accommodate the people in this convoy who are upset because there are votes there. But mm. at the same time, I, I, like, what are you doing meeting with them? Yeah, Sabrina, what's your what's your thought on it? Um, it's we we've, we've, we if we just look at things that that are viral, or we just look at Twitter, we couldn't have predicted Brexit. We couldn't have predicted the 2016 election. We couldn't have even predicted uh, a huge increase in voting for for the PPC last time out in our province. Um, is there a danger in saying ah, you know, fringe? Ah, they all vote. They all can influence politics. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm with Alan here. I mean, I think we're it's kind of, you know, from a political nerd's perspective, um, fascinating to watch this play out um, in the O'Toole camp in real time. I mean, obviously, he's trying to straddle this what seems like impossible line where he's, you know, calling for peaceful protests when we have, um, you know, some of these uh, trucker convoy organizers, you know, uh, you know, saying really violent things. So I think, you know, there's there might be some political gain here um, at the end of the day. I, I don't know if it's worth it, if that will end up backfiring. Um, uh, obviously, O'Toole, you know, he's uh, he's kind of going down this road. Um, it's a very fine line to be walking and uh you know, I'm I'm pulling out the the popcorn at this point. I think, yeah, uh, yeah my my kingdom to be a fly on the wall in in that war room over there. Sabrina and Angie, QP Observer, our guest Alan Carter, who will host the Alan Carter Radio Program today at 12 noon, and always does. And you can see him on Global News at 5:30 and 6. Um, the future of the passports in Ontario. Uh, we had Stephen Del Duca on the show. We talked about he wants to change the definition of fully vaccinated from two to three doses. I'm assuming that's the case for 18 plus. I got a 13 year old kid that. Had to have two shots to play soccer this year, and uh, and we're not even allowing boosters yet, eighteen and under. Sabrina, is there is there a way we go with the QR codes? Um, will they be as utilized and as important when we reopen everything a month from now as as they really were in August and September for consumer confidence, et cetera? 
That is a great question. Um, I don't know if I have a great answer, but like I'm with you. I think the the Ford government they need to you know figure out what's going to happen with these vaccine certificates. Um, and, and you're right. You know it can go it can go a couple of ways. We've already got the opposition parties. You mentioned Liberal leader Stephen Del Duca. You know uh, wanting to add uh, the boosters to you know the fully vaccinated requirement. Um, but, you know, we kind of haven't really seen the same numbers. Um, it's going to put a lot of people in the lurch. Obviously, you mentioned mm. under 18s, um, you know, not not getting the boosters. So I think, you know, the, the, the premier, he took a hard pass on expanding the vaccine certificate. Uh, we know that there's you know, they're going to be around for at least for the foreseeable future, at least under this latest reopening plan. But, you know, just a couple of months ago, the, the Ford government was hoping to um, have already gotten rid of the, the vaccine certificate system. So I think hmm. they need to do some serious soul searching to tell us, you know, are we going to enhance uh, the system or, you know, try to phase it out completely? Hmm. Um, you know, I think uh, this is going to really matter for the future of lockdowns or not. So I think, hmm. you know, time is ticking here. Uh, for them to tell us what the plan is. Alan, on your show, on our show, we would have played that Doug Ford clip from the summer a bunch of times. Well, we're not doing it. I don't want to split society. That worked out really well the last seven months. We're, we're more split than ever before. But where do we go? I got people telling me, hey, I'm double vaccinated and I've had COVID. I'm a young, healthy person. I don't know if I want a third shot along with the acquired immunity I have from COVID. This is really tricky territory here. I, and Sabrina's right. There's no easy answer. No, but I mean... If you're asking the question, will the Ford government do what Del Duca is, uh, you know, calling for, you know, put the uh, third booster as part of your Vax passport or make you have to have a Vax passport to go buy weed or go to the LCBO. How'd you know? Those things that they're doing in Quebec, that's not going to happen in Ontario. We're marching towards an election in June. Think about the base that uh, Ford has to uh, cater to. I mean, it's not totally dissimilar to what O'Toole is dealing with. Mm-hmm. So there's not going to be, an, I, I just do not see an expansion of any kind of uh, other restrictions in terms of either the, the Vax passport or saying, okay, you need a passport for other, uh, other places or mandates. I, we're going the other direction on our march towards June 2nd. Yeah, it feels that way a little bit. Uh, all right, let's let's end on a, a more um, meteorological note. I don't think any of us are, uh, none of us would claim to be Anthony Farnell. Alan, we'd like to sometimes, right? Tall, handsome dudes, like the, the women love guys that walk dogs on a regular basis. I know he's taken, but right? We're not Anthony Farnell. We can admit that. Yeah, the dog. The dog is the. I mean, I love a- Storm. <laughs> you know, Storm comes into the studio and like Storm's got more followers on Instagram than I do. Like, I just I'm a little I'm a little bitter about the dog. I get it. Was and I, and I'm suspicious. Storm's appearance wasn't staged. I, I think that was a false flag operation. To be honest, since we're talking about false flag operation, I think Storm. I think that was planned from the get go. I, I think we're going to find the uh, the oral history of that's going to reveal that. But <laughs> but he's documented snow. Uh, and how much of it we've got. He called that storm a mile away. I'm asking, in the from a city perspective, municipal politics, has the city done a good job in 11 days? I still hear from people that say, my sidewalk is a perilous uh, chunk of ice. Uh, the roads might be fine to drive on, but the people who walk, the people who want to walk to the subway or a streetcar or even get to their GO train, it's tricky. What's, what's it like in your neighborhood? What do you hear from people? Well, it, it, my neighborhood is like a lot of neighborhoods. It's impassable for pedestrians. Forget about riding a bike. You know, and, and I still go back to the tweet that the city put out last week that said uh, it's, you're not allowed 
to shovel any snow into the road. If you shovel any <laughs> snow into the road, we might come around and find you up to $5,000. And meanwhile, there's a plow going past, putting all the snow into the bike lane, a plow going past, putting all the snow into the, into the uh, sidewalk, and it just... It sort of reiterates what we do in this city, which is it is the car first and always the car. Yeah, yeah. It, you know, people want, Sabrina, people want to do like ride arounds with cops and whatnot and EMTs get a real adrenaline buzz. I'd like to be in that plow after somebody does their driveway, does their walkway, and just to be in that passenger seat going by, seeing the expression on the faces and the and the draw dropping. Does Alan have this right? Are we too car centric in uh, in Toronto proper? Look, okay, I'm going to share my bias here because, yes, I do think so. I, I'm a pedestrian, um, you know, and it was really just depressing that Toronto is a city where the parking lot is paved and, you know, the sidewalk is still not plowed. Like, maybe we we, we needed the army this time or, you know, maybe the premier could have made a difference with that little red shovel at this rate. Um, you know, I... I love me a good blizzard. I know they're a pain in the butt, but we don't get them that often in Toronto. You know, I'm, I, I really was loving all the stories of, you know, people digging each other out, you know, the videos of the dogs walking funny in their booties. Um, I think the city could be doing a better job here. Uh, you know, I think there's going to be blizzards in the future. I understand everyone's working mm. around the clock. Kudos to them. But yeah, we, we can do better. This is Canada. You know, uh, <laughs> let's, we should be used to this. Come on. And there's that still Mel Lastman in the tank uh, with, a you know, uh, Al in that picture in 99. It didn't go well for Michael Dukakis. It didn't go well for the late Mel Lastman. <laughs> John Tory with a uh, like an army helmet on, riding a tank, giving a thumbs up. I'm not sure that would go over terribly well uh, these last two weeks. Okay, just get him a little red shovel. Everybody needs a little red shovel. <laughs> Those are selling like hotcakes now for for uh, for eight year olds and forty eight year olds alike. Love having you guys think- do this uh, this morning. Thank you very much, Sabrina Nanji, follower QPobserver dot com, uh, and of course Alan Carter on at noon today. Thanks, guys. Thank you so much. Thanks. Again, this story has absolutely moved to the top of the list. It's of mine for everybody. I've never seen more interaction on the show. I've never seen more focus from people um, away even from the media uh, about the intent of this, what the initial process was, who is going. I'm excited to talk to Lori Turnbull about that in a sec. Let me get to Christy. Christy, you're on Toronto today on 640 Toronto. Not a problem. Good morning, everyone. You know, I just wanted to say that I believe our government is trying to redirect the narrative to blame the the minority. But the reality is that the underfunding of our healthcare system and the retirement facilities are causing the real issue. We all know that COVID-19 is not going anywhere. Yeah. We need to learn to live with it and allow the individual's freedom of choice and the ability to make a living. Now, right. Are you saying this is the federal government? Because the provincial government really has a lot more influence on hospital capacity and health care and education, for that matter. Is this I, you just said government. So I just want to clarify who you meant. Well, I definitely believe the provincial government needs to be held accountable, but I think it's both in this aspect. Okay. I appreciate the phone call. Look, there's a lot of layers of that. Um, we don't have these—now, th- we've debated this before, and Lori Turnbull and I have talked about this before. Is this the system of our of our federal nature, or is it the person involved that's our prime minister? I told you already. I didn't like what he said two days ago. I thought it was glib, kind of flippant, ah, small, fringe minority— 
people do feel disenfranchised. They're paying a dollar fifty uh, gas again, and again, so, or a, a liter. And somebody might say, "Come on, Greg, that's no excuse for." It. No, it's not an excuse for any kind of threats of violence. And we just had an election. You had the opportunity to vote him out, and you shrugged your shoulders. And all of us collectively provided the same result we got, in essence, in 2019, even with a different conservative leader. So there's a process to this. But to act like um, that people aren't feeling disenfranchised, no, of course they are. Very pleased to welcome in our next guest. Uh, we enjoy our Friday conversations, and what a Friday to have her on. Associate Prof of Political Science, Director of the School of Public Administration at Dalhousie University, Dr. Lori Turnbull. Wow. Um can you talk? Can you handle the whole next eight minutes? I'm I'm talked out. I'm I'm my brain is going a mile a minute, but I'm not sure we've ever seen a weekend quite like this with the coverage and with the anticipation, the nervousness of what happens in the next 24, 48 hours, Lori. I think you're right. I think there's definitely a lot of anticipation because there's been so many narratives to this story, like, you know, from, you know, how the organization is happening to what's happening with the money, who's giving all this money, um, you know, how, what's actually going to happen when so many truckers converge onto Ottawa. You know, it's, it's, there's a, I think at this point, everyone's just kind of waiting to see what happens. The the reaction so far and how the story grew throughout the week, um, did, did you see, like, we've used the word co-opt and hijack. Uh, was it always going to be like this, that it was going to be a mix? And, and look, Pierre Polyev made the point yesterday, any movement that happens, it doesn't matter if it's Black Lives Matter. It doesn't matter if it's an anti-apartheid rally. You're going to get some extreme views, extreme behavior. This one, though, to the average Canadian, I think, is a touch more unsettling because I think the suggestion is there that that our our um, our system and our politicians feel under more of a direct threat than anything previous. Mm, yeah, I mean, as, and definitely, as you say, like how this has developed over the past week or so, a little more, you know, like when this, when people first started get digging into the issue because the exemption um, for truckers going back and forth across the border, that came to a close on January 15th. And so that forced the issue. And I think at that point, you know, people were talking about whether or not that was, this was fair and it gets wrapped up into the issue of the supply chain. So it's not like some, you know, it, it, it's not like it just affects you if you're a trucker, right? Like, you know, potentially if, if this is going to have an impact on the supply chain, then it affects everybody. And so then the story starts to weave around that as well. Then politicians jump on mm-hmm. where, you know, some of them are going to want to say, oh, this is, as, as you were saying in your, in your opening, like this, this is Justin Trudeau saying, oh, this is only a small group of people and that, you know, it's just a, you know, fringe faction, don't worry about it kind of thing. And other politicians saying, no, we, you know, we stand with, with people who want to peacefully protest and we stand with people who, um, who, who don't want to, to live with mandates. And so now, you know, there's so much energy coursing through this and it's about a bunch of different things it's about vaccines it's about mandates it's about the supply chain it's about people just having enough of this whole thing and feeling like maybe no politician is really saying the thing you need to hear and so a lot of frustration at this point yeah that's so well said and uh and i i worry like if i was advising justin trudeau i'd say two things i'd say I know you're isolating COVID-19, okay? You need to be in front of a camera today. You need to talk to the people. You you need to, to be honest, Lori, take this a little more seriously than you did two days ago and not be so dismissive of it. And that doesn't legitimize extreme right-wing racist anti-immigrant views if they are part of this convoy, if they are part of this demonstration. But you need to talk to Canadians. We can't go without hearing from him today, to me anyway. Mm-hmm. I know what you're saying. I mean, 
the role of the prime minister is a very special one when it comes to, you know, questions that are really putting a lot of strain on the country. I think, um, you know, one thing that's come up, one deba- debate that's come up over the past few days is this question of polarization and are Canadians divided on these issues? Are there, you know, things that are really running through the centre that are keeping us from having conversations? You know, we're just kind yeah. of talking back and forth. And I think, in the, like, if you look at the U.S., there's much clearer evidence of deep divides, right? Where you have a block of Democrats and a block of Republicans and they seem not to agree on anything and that keeps getting worse. In our case, I think we actually have a broad consensus of people who believe in many of the same things. But the way sometimes the parties kind of choose to leverage things is dangerous in both ways, right? As you say, like it's, it's dangerous for a party to try to leverage a wedge issue that actually doesn't divide us that much, but try and kind of score points on it. On the other hand, it's dangerous to ignore a part of the population, even if it's small. And then everybody feels a bit like, again, you're not getting what you need. Dr. Lori Turnbull is joining us from Dalhousie University on Toronto today with Greg Brady. I'm so glad you said that because I think we have two patented examples that now they're baked in now because they're a half decade old. One is Brexit in the UK. I was in Europe um, for the Euro soccer tournament in June, about two weeks before the Brexit vote. And I would talk to, you know, you'd meet people in pubs or at games and the older population said, no, it doesn't feel like the UK anymore. And well, well, I thought there was a little bit of an ethnocentric tinge to it. I thought, well, they get a vote just like everybody else does. And then we go to the 2016 election, Trump v. Hillary. And I do think that could have been managed so much better. Go to Michigan, go to Wisconsin, listen to people. Don't lose these battleground Midwest states. And she ignored them. And, and the end result happened. That's it. And I mean, it, it is extremely dangerous. And when we see sometimes politicians sort of making assumptions about how a vote will go and, you know, we can afford not to go back to that riding. We can afford not mm-hmm. to visit that state again. And we're, or the converse, we're only going to go if we think we have a shot at winning. And so you lose that sort of nation building, unifying role that a, a president or a prime minister has to have. There's no one else who has the same responsibility for keeping a country together as the prime minister. And so that's, you know, that's at your door no matter what. A couple quick ones. We got a really interesting scenario, and I don't think this, this is me saying this, I don't think this is January 6th or gets even close to the level of violence. I don't believe that that will happen. That said, that was about an outgoing president fanning the flames, you know, like being really in on the ground floor and helping plan it. Certainly his administration and staff feels involved. This is a sitting prime minister who just won a minority election four months ago. It's a massive, massive statement. I I don't know. I'm not even talking about security issues, but there has to be. We've all seen elections and we go, well, what can I do? Um, you know, Pierre Trudeau's the prime minister. Jean Chrétien's the prime minister. Brian Mulroney's the prime We have a lot of people that I, I don't know how we go forward and, and with people going, that's not my prime minister. Hmm. Yeah. And I mean, I, I'd like to go back to a point that you made with your previous caller about, you know, mm-hmm. which order of government we're really talking about, because I think there's a sense that, sure, there's there's going to be lots of people with signs and trucks that say F. Trudeau. Mm-hmm. Lots of people are going to be there because they're particularly unhappy with him. But I think there's also a broader frustration with government as a whole. And because the idea of, like, you know, mandates, lockdowns, that kind of thing, like, as, as I think you were pointing out, that comes from the provincial government. There's lots of kind of, there, there's lots of, of ways that government is in our lives. And so... I think that's part of the reality, too. But as you say, yeah, like, I mean, it's a different feel when there was there was a very different sense, I think, Mm -hmm. in the U.S. at the time where there was there was a large number of people and a large number of Republicans who still think that Donald Trump won that election. That's a different thing than Mm -hmm. what we're going to be seeing, I guess, this weekend. 
Last thing, the political capital to be gained or lost by Aaron O'Toole. A lot of people debating it yesterday. Aaron O'Toole says, I don't want to meet with the organizers. I don't want to meet with people who are of extreme principles and views. But I want to meet with some of the down-to-earth, meat-and-potatoes, men and women who are truckers who oppose the vaccine mandates. Is, is, this a, is this a calculated risk on his part to be going out there when, when a lot of other MPs, including his own party, they have told them, you need to be cautious and careful. You should actually be home as, as it's been documented. Yes, this is a, an absolutely high-risk strategy for Aaron O'Toole, and I don't know why he's doing this. I mean, the sergeant-at-arms has already sent out a, you know, a, a memo to all the MPs saying, stay, you know, be safe. Mm-hmm. Do not come, you know, like, absolutely, Aaron O'Toole should not be walking up to Parliament Hill to see if somebody will talk to him. Like, and he, I mean, from a political perspective, he can't control the narrative on this, right? Like, does he think he's going to walk up there and find someone who's going to make a really good soundbite for him? This is a crazy idea. And why would the Conservative Party want to be associated with things that they can't control? What if you end up with, up there with someone who is violent, who is really angry, and who's not observing, you know, the kinds of limitations on behavior that we all have to accept in, in a democratic society? I think this is absolutely a bad idea. Yeah, I agree with your take. Uh, 849, thank you very much for coming on the show, Lori. I appreciate it as always. Thank you. Anytime. That's Dr. Lori Turmer from Dallas University. Yeah, I get this text in. Take a look at the Convoy's Instagram page, Greg. Freedom Convoy 2022. Then I challenge you to keep on with the fear of violence narrative. If you do, you have lost all credibility. Can I, 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 I'm in a good mood going into the weekend. Can I keep some credibility? I think that's a fair question. Listen, listen, this is unbelievable. Okay, circumstances. We live in just absolutely unprecedented times, difficult times, hard times. But these words are going right into microphones and being said right into cameras. They're on Facebook posts. They're on the convoy's actual post. I'm not going to tell you. Again, we're looking for universality here. You won't find it. You won't find it on opinions. You won't find it in the messaging of this convoy in particular. Um, I'll read it again. And, like, it's not an error. Canada Unity is the leading group organizing the Freedom Convoy. Here's their memorandum. They seek to end all vaccine mandates. They also want the Governor General and the Senate to replace the Justin Trudeau government and the House of Commons with a so-called Citizens Committee. I feel that's unlikely to happen today or tomorrow. Don't tell me there isn't a threat, a scintilla of a threat of violence going into today or this weekend. Of course there is. Oh, the media is bearing this. We've been talking about it all morning. It's leading every newscast across the entire country. You might think there's opinion uh, columnists that are slanted, but is that new? Does stuff in the Toronto Star appear in the Toronto Sun? The stuff in the Toronto Sun appear in the Toronto Star? You already know the answers to these things. All I can do, all we can do, all this show can do, play it up the middle, try and hear it, not necessarily from all sides because there's extreme sides that aren't worth giving a microphone to, okay? And there isn't, and it's not going to happen, okay? But there's probably some good people involved in this who must be like, what is going on here? All we want to do is make a statement. Fully vaccinated people are driving these trucks in this convoy too. Let's not forget. The math doesn't add up otherwise, given 85% of truckers are vaccinated. Would you like some weather uh, statistics? I enjoy a good uh, statistic once in a while. There's no doubt about that. Um, It has not been a plus temperature. We haven't had a plus temperature. You've got to go back to January the 10th. I'm 18 days of no plus temperatures. Now, 
next week that changes. But uh, there would be um, you need a plan if you have a house and uh, and gutters and a basement for sure. You got to be very aware of what happens on Sunday. Let's check in with Global News Chief Meteorologist Anthony Farnell. Uh, up at Blue Mountain right now. Oh, man, that's, boy, to trade places with you right now, and there's two and a half hours of the show left, and we're both up early. I, uh, you're, What are you doing at Blue Mountain? Yeah, we were we did a ski forecast here yesterday, mm-hmm. and uh, again this morning we're going to be on uh, Global News uh, TV. We're going to do the morning show from here. So, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it was snowing last night. We did a few runs. It's been just uh, nice, nice to be up here. Well, I- I guess they don't need to make snow for any period of time. There's not there's not that snow emergency where there's uh, we're like get those machines going or we're going to lose customers. There's enough and and when we got we got fluffed out with some white powder uh, two nights this week where we were out shoveling in the evening. Beautiful picturesque snow globe type atmospheres. Yeah, it's, it's it's amazing, and this is really what what ski country needed after last year. They got shut down a couple of times with COVID, and of course the weather didn't always cooperate. So it is nice. I mean, it, it, it was weird coming up uh, the 400 when you have just as much snow in Toronto as you mm-hmm. do up here at Blue. But, uh, yeah, everybody is kind of uh, getting in on this winter. And you mentioned the fact it hasn't been above freezing for so long. That That is unusual. That mm-hmm. that doesn't happen often, uh, especially around the GTA, where you, you get a snowstorm and that snow sticks around. And, of course, the city has had to remove it uh, <laughs> by truckload after truckload, and that continues. And that, that's, that's smart, because with what we see coming with any rain or, or even another snowstorm, there's just no place to put it. So it's going to be a gorgeous morning, sunny but really cold. Uh, we're lo- we've already hit our high, obviously, because it was minus four uh, overnight. I got minus fourteen where I am in downtown Toronto at Chorus Key right now, and uh, and down to minus twenty one overnight. High of minus nine tomorrow. Really cold for the weekend. So we've got a few more days. But I mentioned Tuesday, Anthony, and that's significant because it's that's that's again that's where people have to almost shovel strategically around their homes if it's going up to four or five degrees, and we might get rain mixed in as well yeah and uh i'm losing a bit of confidence on that warm-up and how long it's going to last some of the latest computer models are are maybe not so gung-ho on this big warm-up and and they have a front coming through on tuesday and setting the stage for perhaps a a ice or snowstorm so so this is yeah it's going to be an interesting middle of the week but uh, i'm not (laughs) convinced anymore that we're going to see two or three days of, of four or five degrees and rain like like i thought even just Two days ago, so the the, the weather changes, and uh, a lot of this has to do with with a huge player on the on the weather field this weekend. Uh, a massive crippling blizzard for New York City. Uh, Boston could see almost a meter of snow in one day, so it is just going to be a crazy storm, and and that tends to to shift weather patterns when you get blizzards like that. Anthony Farnell's uh, joining us, of course, Chief Meteorologist with Global News. Uh, it's one of those things as well where I think the extreme cold is something we, we've certainly gotten used to. It's, w- as you document, 18 days, 19 days uh, without it being above uh, ab- above freezing. Do we have any kind of advanced knowledge about what February looks like? Like, like, like all of us would love to get in a time machine and head to March 1st, even the skiers like yourself. But that said, do we have any idea whether how February looks with a real long-range forecast? Uh, yeah, well, the ideas are starting to come in, and they're, they're, if you don't like uh, January, you're, you're probably not going to like February. <laughs> it, 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 
<laughs> it's trending colder and it's also trending snowier. So uh, as as bad as January was, if, if you don't like snow, there really was just that big storm. And then you mentioned the, the, the fluffy snow globes that we've seen on a couple occasions. That was easy to almost just brush off your car. Uh, we've had that one big storm and, and I think we're going to see uh, at least a couple more in February. And, and the big question is, uh, does it stay in this cold pattern consistently? Or as we get later into the winter, do we start to see more ups and downs? And, and there are going to be a few, but uh, right now I, I'm, I'm putting, <laughs> putting my cards on, on uh, it being a, a colder than normal February. Last thing, I mentioned that, that rain uh, potentially, and, and even if we don't warm up for terribly long and we go right back middle of the week to late next week to cold temperatures, I mentioned in homeowners, depends on the home, really do need to be proactive. I, I, I'm looking all around the sides or on my deck and thinking I, I can't have giant piles of snow start to melt instantaneously. I think every homeowner has that, has that front of mind. Yeah, and especially, I mean, in Toronto, especially the older homes, you can really see who has good insulation and who doesn't. Some of these icicles are just becoming massive, and that, that's its own hazard when you have some of those coming down on, on front porches and, and people walking by. So, uh, yeah, clearing the snow from the roof, and then, yeah, near the house, the, the spouts, the, the the sewers just on streets as well are mostly covered and, and ice overhead over it so uh we'll see if we if we do get a big rainstorm it, it's going to cause some problems um but there's so much snow it almost acts like a sponge initially so uh bad news for your roof when that just sponges and, and becomes very very heavy but uh, as far as flooding potential that sponge could be a good thing at least in the short term yeah we should be watching really closely sunday night to see what uh what monday's commute is monday again uh back to school all that stuff on the last day of january thank heavens anthony farnell up in blue mountain thanks for coming on the show again appreciate it and no problem and yeah this is uh, you mentioned the cold tonight this is going to be probably one of the coldest nights of the winter and, and wind today so just bundle up as you're heading out Awesome. I'll, I'll I'll put you down as undecided for how bundled up we should be. I'll, I'll check that box, Anthony. Thanks very much. All right. Take care. Awesome, man. Anthony Farnell, Global News uh, Chief Meteorologist. Let me keep it here for a minute. I, uh, You know me in polls. Here I go. I'm going to mention a poll that was out yesterday. It's got to do with Justin Trudeau. A lot of people are weighing in on him this morning, and, and I understand why. I understand why. By the way, if you missed the news, and of course, of course this gets people out um, theorizing as to whether this is indeed the case or not, I have no zero reason to doubt this zero. But it was revealed late morning that Justin Trudeau has come into contact uh, with somebody who's tested positive for COVID nineteen. Now he had a news conference with two or three cabinet ministers on what, Tuesday, and then made the statement that we played earlier on the show on Wednesday. So he's uh, he's out and isolating there is some distinction about uh you know whether he should be out out there's a lot of balls being juggled right now he's in ottawa there's the uh you know freedom convoy there's a lot happening in regard to russia's actions in and around ukraine are we getting closer to armed conflict are we getting closer to a diplomatic solution um canada is considered is considered a big leader with NATO. I know people like to dismiss the liberal government and say, ah, we're not a big player in the world circumstance. No, we're not the biggest player, but we're a G7 country, 
and there's some influence. Militarily, uh, we were an important cog in the war in Afghanistan. But yes, uh, Justin Trudeau is uh, was exposed to COVID-19. He had a rapid test uh, that was negative, and he's isolating for five days. Now, I have no reason to doubt that that's the case. Zero. That said... When the opposition party leader, Aaron O'Toole, and I get how people are going to criticize him saying, well, you're giving, you know, you're giving an audience. Is there is there an embrace? Are you giving a big bear hug to all this rage of the, uh, you know, trucker convoy? Aaron O'Toole is doing a dangerous dance here. There's no doubt about it. He's doing a politically calculated dance. And uh, and I'm not sure that this is quite Donald Trump in Charlottesville. Very good people on both sides. No, 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 no. Um, I don't think you'll see that if there's even the a hint of an outbreak of violence. And to be honest, from what we talked about earlier, there should already be things that Aaron O'Toole has condemned. There should already be things that Aaron O'Toole is condemning that he has not yet. So let me get that out of the way. But Justin Trudeau can't just stay at home isolating. He needs to be heard from today. We got a thing. It's called Zoom. How do I know? Because my damn kids have been doing school on it for too many months in Ontario. Okay? So this is not 1963. We don't need a letter and a carrier pigeon to find out how the prime minister views all this. You need to be present today, Justin Trudeau. You need to be heard from, seen at, not just once, not just for four minutes, not just a tweet, 74% of people aren't on Twitter. They're the smarter ones than us. (laughs) But you got to be you got to be present today. This is massive. Okay, this is massive. This is a huge, huge story. You've got has there ever been a time in your lifetime when MPs were saying, well, we're worried for our safety. Not mine. Probably not in my parents either. Be present today. Don't hide. I'd like prove people wrong who say you're just going to hide this out. For the, You need to be places today and be seen and heard, even if it's on a computer screen, even if it's on a television monitor. Be there. You lead us. You're our elected leader. Do your job. Thanks again for listening to the Toronto Today podcast. We're back with a live show between 5.30 and 9 on Monday on 640 Toronto on the final day of the first month of 2022. That's worth putting in the rearview mirror. So we'll try and do that on Monday and recap the weekend's events, get you everything you potentially missed, not just from Ottawa, but all over our world. Thank you again for listening. Feel free to spread the word about our podcast, and we'll see you on Monday.